gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to Dog Talk Live. I am Jeff Fuller, owner of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and we are here today to talk to you about dogs. Hopefully it helps everyone get their mind off of everything that is going on in the world. If you have questions comments, put them in as a comment. Uh, We love to get questions. This is a question and answer. So we are here to serve you and get more people involved in the sport that I love, which is dogs and dogs in the field. Ah, This is Memphis. She's my co-host. She thinks that hosting means you turn your back to you and uh, attacks me. So this is her way of, ah, of... Hosting Dog Talk Live, it's her way of getting attention. She sits on my lap like this often. It is funny. Dogs have certain reactions. And my dogs personally, after filming a TV show for nine years, if I get out camera gear, they go into bonkers because they know we're going hunting. A gun, they go bonkers because they know that we are going hunting. And when I am on Dog Talk Live talking to my computer screen, looking at myself, The dogs go bonkers and all want attention because they want to be part of it. Well, maybe not part of it. They just want my attention. But don't feel bad. Memphis here. Say hi, Memphis. She's like, no, no, you need to pet me. Uh, Memphis is uh, one of our girls here at Soggy Acres Retrievers. And uh, she doesn't do well with questions. If you want to ask her any, I can can, uh, talk to her and hopefully get back to you. But I am here to answer any questions for you. So please, training, puppies, dogs, hunting... Let's have a nice talk today and see what is on all of your minds. If you have not, please check out our podcast, the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. We are up on a pile of platforms now. Uh, The main ones, Spotify, Anchor, Amazon, Pandora, and uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Great uh Great for uh, asking questions, great for uh, uh, getting answers and info out there, and it's a nice podcast that is about 20 minutes. We always have a main topic, and then we have a training tip and a hunting tip. So if you're looking for a podcast to listen to work, uh, to, to as you drive into work, or just at home, check us out, Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I I like 20-minute podcasts. That's why I made it about that long. Uh, reason being, it uh, if they get too much longer than that, I usually lose interest or I don't have time to finish something. i got to go back after the fact several days later to re-listen to the end. So again, the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. So the way this works, I will sit here and talk to you for at least 15 to 30 minutes, but I need your questions. I can't sit here and talk about uh, my own self and my bloviation. Um, I need questions, so please let me know what's on your mind today, and we will go from there. As far as the page, uh, our Facebook page, you know, it is my page. I own it privately. 
Occasionally, I will post stuff that is of interest to me or I think important that I can put out to my platform. If you don't like it, I, I get it. You can always leave the page and go somewhere else. But we recently had an uptick in people thinking that they were going to try to demand what the page does, threaten me. That stuff's not going to work, guys. I'm not going to change who I am. And uh, it is not... Uh, your, your comments will do nothing but get you get you banned from our from our page. So just keep that in mind. If it's something that offends you, you know what? Godspeed. Go find another page. Scroll by it. Um, if you want to discuss it, more than happy to discuss stuff. But when it comes down to insults and everything else, I don't play that game. All right, we got Matt from Maryland. I'm a duck. Hunt. I am duck hunting Saturday in a pond and taking my one year old lab for the first time. I have trained him with retrieves, but have not shot a shotgun close to him. Will be taking him be a bad idea? Yes, it is a bad idea, Matt. You're going to want to take your dog out and make sure that the uh, dog has had some shooting around him. What you can do is have someone playing. Uh, retrieving uh, with your with your dog, throwing bumpers, and every time they throw the bumper, uh, start at about 100 yards and shoot, and then move closer. When you go out on your first hunts, don't have a lot of people shooting. Uh, have only one or two shooters, so that you're not putting the dog in the position where they think that, holy hell, is broken loose. Uh, to give you an idea, I had a dog uh, that I trained, uh, my own personal dog. I was guiding at the time, and I was at an, on an upland hunt, and the dog had been on several hunts with me, uh, training-wise as well. It's just in the field where it was just me. On this hunt, four hunters lit off three rounds each. They missed the bird. The dog ran back to the truck because she was scared. Now, it wasn't where I couldn't recover her and get her back into the field, but when you have a dog that is gun-shy, it is very, very hard to fix. Uh, as trainers, we get calls all the time that are... How do we uh, how do we fix a gun shy dog? And I try to be as honest as I can, and I tell people, well, twenty five percent of them are recoverable, and the rest of them after that are are probably not recoverable because they are so scared. So take your time, introduce your dog properly. It's about having your dog prepared to be in the field, not them getting experience by being in the field. We don't train dogs to hunt. We train dogs to hunt for us. They're bred to hunt. So that means we get our obedience in line and we get them under control and we introduce them to anything that could be a negative so that we don't have to uh, have a problem in the future. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. All right, Jim Ban. Banjo Jim, please, any advice on how to get a dog to stop chasing cats? My dog acts like he wants to kill them. Uh, Banjo Jim, I would have your dog e-collar conditioned and trained on an e-collar, and when the dog ran after a cat, I would sh I would nick the dog with an electrical correction and tell him no, and then make the dog come back to me and sit at my side. If you do that enough, the dog will not like the unpleasant experience, and it will not uh, chase cats. What are your thoughts on e-collars, John? John Acton. John, I would not train without e-collars. I, I know there is a growing sentiment that somehow they are abusive to the animal and it couldn't be farther from the truth. Easiest way I can explain it is, one, if someone's going to abuse a dog, do we then ban rocks, sticks, and everything else because they're just that type of person? But from a training aspect, Imagine if we had two dogs. Mine was trained on an e-collar where I had complete control on of that dog when they're in the field because they had to listen to me even when off lead. Yours was not trained on an e-collar, 
and was ish on its uh, ability to listen. You've got a truck speeding down the road. Uh, I always use the example of my clients where I'm here. I live on a county highway. Truck speeding down the road at 65 miles an hour. A bunny rabbit runs out. Both dogs start running for the road. Whose dog do you want at that point? You want the dog that has been trained where you have control when they are not on lead. You will have a lot of trainers who will talk about they don't uh, the, the need to not have e-collars. They will take twice as long to train your dog and almost 100% of them, not all of them, but almost 100% do not even run dogs competitively and they will tell you it's because it's they, they train for the love of the breed. It's not that. They can't control their dog. E-collars are great, but it is a training tool, not a punishment tool. That is what you need to keep in mind so you're using it for the proper uh, the proper use. We do e-collar conditioning to get a dog so they understand how to turn pressure off. And then we only use an e-collar to correct behaviors that are uh, that are learned. So again, when we go back to the cat experience, the dog starts chasing a cat. You tell the dog here and nick the, nick the dog so that they understand they have to come to you. The dog will stop chasing cats because the dog will hear you say here and always come to you. And then you can have them sit. When you are using any negative consequence in your training, try to keep your your thought process on 10 to 20% negative reinforcement, 80 to 90% positive reinforcement. So your voice inflection, good dog, good. Your body language, bent over at the waist, not sitting like this where you've got your arms crossed, looking all uh, uh, like you're upset with the dog. Give your dog a good training attitude and you are going to appreciate using an e-collar. I and others appreciate your individuality. Thank you for what you do for your approach. Jeff Tryon. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess I'm one of a kind. My, my wife, it's funny, when, when uh, I took Kate out on the first date, uh, it was months later, I asked her what she thought of me, and she said I was odd. So I guess individuality and odd are probably about the same thing in my wife's eyes. I, I don't know how to take that. She said it was a compliment because I was odd. But, you know, I, I like individuality better. So thank you for that word. I'm going to use that with her later today. <laughs> uh, let's see, David. My lab is great in training, not gun shy, but doesn't like cold water. Suggestions for hunting. Uh, David, if you are, uh, I mean, if your dog gets bur is bird nuts, they'll forget about water and water temperature, and they're going to love jumping in. They just need to have fun. What we do is we transition from training where it's all control and the dog will do stuff almost like a robot to we need them to get them so that they're having fun so that they understand that this this hunting thing is actually a lot of fun and then rein them back in, if, if that would make sense. Um, if you're hunting in a spot and you're never getting birds, obviously that's going to affect the dog's attitude on it. Uh, you can also get your dog a dog vest and have them a dry spot to lay once they do uh, do a retrieve. Uh, if you're having the issue in retrieving, what I would do is I would add uh, fresh killed birds uh, to your retrieve when you're putting them in the water. Memphis is back. She's staring at me, and uh, nope, she's not coming up on the uh, on, on my on my lap this time. So let's see, Banjo Jim, thank you much. I'll try and let you know the results. Yeah, please. When I give you guys uh, ideas, uh, obviously you can't train a dog over the internet, and it's it's not something that would work. But if I give you some ideas, let me know how it works out for you. Always feel free to email me sportingdogtv at gmail.com with questions. Again, I can't train a dog over over the internet, but I can give you an idea at least point you in a direction. Uh, let's see, Austin. 
Pollen check. Watertown, Wisconsin, checking in. Puppy question. What is the appropriate age to start using an ear pinch method for force fetch, etc.? I do not uh, let I do not do an ear pinch, Austin, until a dog is at least six months old. You don't start force fetch until that point because your dog still is getting their adult teeth in. So imagine putting a negative consequence on a dog that's refusing to grab something because their their mouth hurts. So start at six months and then work from there. I actually work with my dogs where I am doing one week of ear pinch and then I transition to using all uh, e-collar for my force fetch. fetch. I just started that this last year and it worked really well. So with anything when you're training, make something your own, but realize you have to put pressure on a dogs to get your response, but also give them a ton of positive. Yes, Mr. Hadel, odd. That's what she called me. Isn't that terrible? I don't know. Chris Bloom, Verona checking in. How are you doing? Rod Hadel checking in from Louisiana. I hope you're feeling better. Uh, let's see. I also tell David not to practice in cold water over and over. Yeah, if you, uh, Bethany says don't practice in cold water over and over. Correct. You, you don't need to always practice in cold water. Um, you will actually, uh, when, you, when you have dogs in cold water, you can get something called droop tail, which is where their tail kind of droops. It's very painful for the dog and they can't move their tail. I don't know the thought process behind it. I think it's it's the cold and their uh, uh, blood vessels, but it is it is something that you don't want to make stuff unpleasant, but you still want to put them in a position. So if you are having an issue with the dog with uh, with cold water, make things super fun. And if the dog starts to get down after a certain point end that but again if you get them where they're hunting and having fun and understanding why they're out there then you go from where you've got a dog that's somewhat timid and and not responding to a dog that is going to be a knob that you got to draw back and pull back in at least with a dog that's got a lot of drive all right great questions today guys again let me know what questions you have let me know what you guys want to talk about today uh we'll be taping this for um uh for use on the podcast, uh, this will also be up on the page. If you have questions, always come. I always come back and check. So feel free to uh, throw your questions in as a comment. If it's no longer a live event, I'll still try to answer them for you. Let's see. She had that. Do you think that is why she is hesitant? Um, David, it could be. Uh, that it's it's pretty painful. Um, again, I've never had it with my dogs. I've seen dogs that have had droop tail. I don't even know what the actual... Uh, vet term would be for it, uh, but it is quite painful, and the dogs the dogs uh, do not uh, do not have a good time with it. It takes it takes a little bit for them to actually get back and uh, get get fully uh, healed from it. So again, make things fun when you have something that the dog is not responding to. Draw back, lean back, and, and and pull off of the pressure, and make things more fun. You can always rein a dog back in, but you got to get them to have pressure. It's something that you see often where dogs get down during force fetch, e collar conditioning, obedience, and all of the beginning uh, groundwork you're doing on your dog because they're put under so much pressure, and you're not giving them enough praise. What venue do you keep? Do do you compete in retrievers with Eric um, Barrand? Asked Eric. My dogs run in uh, hunt tests, AKC and HRC hunt tests. I don't actually run my own dogs. Um, I train them up to a certain point and then I put them with a hunt test pro, which it's funny because people will think that that sounds like you don't know how to train. They're two different things. When you have someone that is really good at running a hunt test, they will look at a test and they will see things that someone that doesn't run them often uh, would not see. So 
my thought process is I focus on young dogs. That's what I train uh, dogs that are in their first three months of training. I can have a client dog in and I can put my dog that needs more experience and needs to see different properties and needs a a better handler with someone that that is what they do. I kind of look at it as I'm saving my own money because the dog is with someone that is uh, fully competent that uh, is going to see things and run a dog different than even myself who does not, uh, who is hunting a dog and not uh, running hunt tests where you're running 10 dogs per test. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Let's see, John, in regards to Gunshy Dog, I started slowly introducing my dog, Sporting Clay Ranger, Skeet Range. What are your thoughts on that idea? Uh, John Acton uh, as, is, is talking about uh, introducing your dog to uh, gunfire. That is fine. What I would do if you're going to go down to a Skeet Range or a Sporting Clay Range, just keep it fun. Take a bumper along if the dog's bumper crazy. Throw it for him. Let him retrieve it. Let him, uh, let him, let him bring it back they will get to the point where they don't hear the gun going off. How do I introduce dogs to uh, gunfire? I actually take out all the dogs I have in for training, and for two weeks I throw bumpers for them and let them run around like idiots. We do it in our dog yard. They're running around. They're so focused on wanting to get that uh, that bumper from the other dog, because I only throw one or two, and they are just charging after the bumper. And then I start shooting a 209 primer pistol and graduate to a shotgun. Um, over the, the the coming weeks after that, I don't shoot every time. Uh, but again, if you do it that way, where there's a distraction, which the retrieve being there's distraction, and the other dogs making the distraction even greater, that is what will help you. All right. Uh, let's see, Matt, Matthew Speck in Virginia. What kind of supplements, food do you give your mama dogs when they are in labor? Uh, when a dog is in labor, they're not going to eat, Matt. Uh, they are going to probably, uh, before birth, about 12 hours, stop eating completely. Uh, that's uh, a good cue that you're going to know that, that they're not feeling well. So don't worry about uh, having them food when they're in labor. Just have a uh, lot of water for them. How do you recommend stop biting command? Let's see. I've done no command, yelp command, and timeout. Uh, Joe, you're going to want to make it so that the dog it's a discomfort thought process being if a if a child human child is reaching for a hot stove we slap their hand a dog is no different if they are biting you you can slap their muzzle or you can squeeze their muzzle so it's a discomfort that is how dogs talk to each other when one bites the other and they don't like it they bite them on the muzzle so don't try to talk human to the dog try to talk dog to the dog and that is through their muzzle grab them squeeze it it needs to be a discomfort I know that sounds like, oh my gosh, so terrible, but if it's not a discomfort, they're going to continue it. So if you do a corrective action that creates discomfort and the puppy keeps going, then you need to up your corrective action uh, a little bit farther. Eventually, you're going to get to the point where the dog thinks, wow, that really sucks. When I do A, B happens, and they won't bite. Brad, checking in from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Good to see you, man. (coughs) Again, you guys are doing awesome. I haven't had one of these for a while, and we got lots of questions coming in. Um, again, uh, let me know what questions you guys have. The podcast we put up, uh, I don't know how to do seasons. I figured we're going to do the seasons by the uh, year that uh, that we're on. So we started season two. Now we had 55 episodes 
last year. Uh, this year, so far, we've got one up. This will be episode two. And uh, doing great. I always look for people to give me ideas for the podcast. So if you can and you want to be part of our podcast and give me ideas, there is a group called the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast Group. It is uh, it is open to the public. Go ahead and join it and throw up posts uh, with ideas. Don't advertise your, your products, please, or puppies or training, but make it about the podcast and let's grow it so that we can help more people get involved in the sport that we all love. The other thing is, if you can share it with some of your friends, we can grow it and it'll get huge and it'll be a lot of fun. The podcast costs me absolutely nothing to put out, so I'm not looking at monetizing it or sponsoring it. Would we work with some companies? Yeah, we would. We've got uh, two companies that we still work with uh, with our reruns and our TV show that run on some local networks, um, and they're part of the podcast. We, we include them in. But it's not the point of trying to make money on it. It's just more of a way for me to connect with people that I have met and hopefully helped influence in the dog world that will keep our sport growing how you doing there mr eland in southern oregon good to see you where's a good place to hunt upland in maryland john i do not know if anyone knows a good place to hunt upland uh john acton is on one of the comments here please feel free to hit a reply to him uh jason spangler how do you break a dog from breaking collar conditioned and initially trained not to leave um, until command given. Jason, that is the, uh, the the thing that you're always having to deal with is uh, constantly working as a handler with the dog. Um, you're going to have to... Um, hold on one second. Let's see. Sporting Dog Ventures Podcast. Uh, you're going to have to uh, work with the dog during hunting because that's when you're having the issue and you're going to have to actually put the gun down and just focus on the dog. I had the same thing happen. I've got two dogs, one's qualified LH master title, finish title, and has one grand pass in HRC. The other has got his uh, HRCH finish title and has a grand pass. Highly trained dogs. Both of them broke this year uh, during hunting. Um, I just had to put my gun down and focus on them. Uh, it's something that was a real struggle uh, when we when I had the TV show because you'd start hunting in in April, or wait, not April. My goodness, long night last night. I didn't get much sleep. I uh, you start hunting uh, September first and end, hunt, end hunting uh, usually sometime in February or early March. The dogs got really loose, and with filming, there was so much going on. When you've got my kids in the blind, sponsors in the blind, camera guys audio you have to kill birds and it's it it's basically like a running circus so it was very difficult for me because you can't correct a dog and not shoot birds when you're filming and you need uh, bird kills so that was something that i focused on with my own dogs this year was working with them in the hunt so that they completely understood they're not going to get away with it there either all right Looking for comments. Give me a second. Not trying to <coughs> see uh, Jeff Tryon wanted to know the name of the podcast. Again, it's the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, Anchor, Pocket Casts, and a few others. Uh, it is it is a neat app. Anchor app is a cool app that we use. It allows us to create our podcast, and they actually disseminate it 
to these different platforms. I did put it on Amazon and Pandora uh, myself, but yeah, it's really, really a, a good podcast and, and, and a fun, fun listen for everybody. Annette, checking in from New York. Suggestions for resource guarding. I've tried everything. Uh, Annette, you could use uh, an e-collar if you haven't tried that. Um, it is something that uh, that at, at least at that point you're, you don't have to have hands on the animal or have them on leash. Or uh, I've got not, not necessarily resource guarding, but I'll, I'll put the bowl in front of the dog, tell him to sit. Um, cause I hate my dogs knocking the bowl out of my hand. It just irritates me. So I make them sit and I make them wait until I tell them they can go. If you've got a dog that when other dogs are coming around, they're, 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 uh, resource guarding. I mean, honestly, I would just feed them separately as well because you got to be fair to them. Yeah, Rod, I, uh, you, you've obviously seen many dogs in the field, uh, Rod Hadel. Uh, it's, it's, it's such that, uh, Anyone that says their dog doesn't break uh, is, 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 in my opinion, lying. They all break if you hunt them enough. It's just uh, making sure that you get on them and correcting them. You're welcome, Jason. So, again, we are, let's see, we're going to go a little bit more yet because we're still getting questions. We run these 15 to 30 minutes. Uh, we try to answer everything that we can. Uh, I will do one to two a week, and uh, we, we usually do at least uh, – two episodes on our podcast a week. Uh, Jeff has Hessig. And if I butcher your guys' names, I apologize. Have a puppy 12 weeks old. He's about 50-50 on the here command. Sometimes he comes running. Uh, other times he ignores. Is there a point we can retrain it with a different word such as come or do we keep up with here? Uh, Jeff, it's got nothing to do with the actual word you're using. It's got the got everything to do with the puppy is going uh, self-employed. You need to make sure the puppy understands they have to come to you. There needs to be some type of a negative consequence. If you're going to use a negative consequence, you could give it just a, a, a good hard tug on the collar if it doesn't come. I would start working with like a 30-foot line on the dog. But ultimately, how you're going to fix this, because as dogs get older, they become even more self-employed, you're going to work with an e-collar so that you can correct the dog at distance. And once you do that, where the dog realizes they're going to get corrected if they don't listen, then they are always going to listen. Use positive reinforcement, your body language. Good dog here. Yay, good dog. And bend over slightly at the waist or take a knee. Give them an inviting look so they're like, wow, they really want to see me. Uh, so that, and do that 80% of the time so that you're only 20% negative once you start really getting into your training. Hope that helps. So that is going to do it for today. Uh, I do I do really appreciate everyone's questions, great questions. Again, check out the podcast. Uh, stop back. We will uh, We will have another one of these next week. I do appreciate everyone's time. Take care. Stay safe. God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.